Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. How many of y'all got your Bibles with you? Hold them up. Got a word. Let me see. Hold them up. Hold, oh, more, more actual Bibles. Put them phones down. What you doing with that? I'm just kidding. You could, what, that was a, hold that Bible up, right? You, you, you right there on the corner, man. Hold, hold that, that. Yep, you. That's a big Bible. I like that. I like big Bibles and I cannot lie. My goodness. <laughs> I feel like the bigger the Bible, the more saved you truly are. Praise him. You're going to be in the front of the line of heaven because your Bible is huge. It's huge. Jesus. <laughs> man, we can, hey, you can laugh. It's okay. Like, I mean, it is the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Amen? Nehemiah. Might be a confusing book for some of y'all to find. It is in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Esther, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah. Right? Just so you know where it is if you're looking. This is not like Genesis where you could turn to the table of contents and then flip to the next page. Got to dig in there a little bit. And this season is special because it's our heart for the house um, season. And we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit in this message. But I promise you, uh, by the time it's all said and done, I know I'm on an assignment. And that is to reveal Jesus in every part of this word. I pray that anytime you hear a message... Don't just be looking for good tips to help your life. Don't be looking for just uh, 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 tweets and quotables that you can put up on IG. When you look in God's word, don't look for that. Look for Jesus. Because I promise you, he's in every sentence. He's in every chapter, every verse, every book. This book was designed to show you who Jesus is. Amen? So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 3. Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. We're going to read two verses, and I got a bunch more verses for you later on in the message, but we'll start at Nehemiah 3, verse 1. I promise you Jesus is there. You might not see his name, but he's there. And the Bible says it like this, and welcome all those who are watching online. It does not say anything about online in the Bible. I just remembered that. I had to talk to the folks online. We love you. In all 47 countries, wherever you at, we love you. Thank you for joining us. Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 1. Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priest went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. Somebody underline the sheep gate. Say the sheep gate. Look at your neighbor and say the sheep gate. Look at your other neighbor, the one you don't like because you pick them second and say the sheep gate. Uh-huh. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the tower of the hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining sections as an Zachirk, son of Emory built next to them and the church said that is a good place to say amen if you want to give this message a title I encourage you to take notes the Bible says in Jedediah 57 5 that those that take notes shall get to heaven 
If you believe that, I got more work to do than I thought. Take notes. They may not help you right now, but they'll point you back to a place in God's word that'll show you Jesus when you need him the most. Amen? If you want to give this message a title, call it this. Rhythm to build. Rhythm to build. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. For this is the day that you have made, God, let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you that before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every human that was going to be in this place today or watch this message uh, online. And God, I pray that I lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, I pray that hearts, minds and ears be open and receptive to a message that will always be about Jesus. And Lord, I pray for the one, the one that needs to hear this the most God I pray you would introduce yourself to them in a fresh new way God I pray that I know we all have something that we want to build in our hearts but God I pray whatever we build I pray that we do it unto you because you are the only one that is worth building for God I love you I praise you and I just pray that somebody meets Jesus today in Jesus name and everybody said everybody said Somebody give Jesus a five-second shout of praise in this place. We started this uh, Heart for the House season two weeks ago. And I started with a message called Pray to build because how many of you know when you want to build something I don't care what it is in your life but especially if you want to build something for God I mean you know the foundation of whatever you build must be prayer don't build anything unless you have prayed and confirmed with God and he has confirmed with you that it is something that you must build the reason that we're in Nehemiah is because Nehemiah his heart was broken for the city of Jerusalem because after the exiles, the Jewish people had been exiled from Jerusalem for 70 years. Some of these people that have come back from exile, the only life they've ever known was captivity. So now they're finally free and they come back to the capital city of Judah, Jerusalem, and the city is in shambles. Ezra, who was the priest living around the time of Nehemiah, who Nehemiah would have been the governor. He started as a cupbearer to the king, but he, he, he turned into a governor because the king gave his blessing to go back and rebuild. Nehemiah was trying to build, build the wall while Ezra was trying to build a temple. And before those two men came along, there was not much success in trying to rebuild Jerusalem. The walls had been torn down from anywhere to 100 to 150 years. And back then, it, it's like if you didn't have a wall around your city, it was an instant signal to everyone that you were living in poverty. Why? Because you weren't protected. You weren't distinguished. You couldn't even have pride in your city because anybody could come in at any time and infiltrate your city and take whatever they wanted. So Jerusalem was getting desecrated left and right by different people because they had no walls to fortify them. Nehemiah hears this, his heart is broken and the first thing he does is pray to God. God, he doesn't say, God, I'm so sad about my city, what can I do? He says, no, God, my heart is broken for the city. Send me to be the answer. 
Send me to be, 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 the, be the fix. Send me to be the solution. There are two things that God will never despise, a broken spirit and a contrite heart, a repentant heart. Nehemiah was broken because of what had happened to his city and God granted his request and gave him not only the ability to rebuild it, he also gave him the blessing of a foreign king, Artaxerxes, a Persian king, gave him resources to help him build something for God. How many of you know when God is involved in what you do, he's going to send you resources from places you never even expected to be able to build it? So we pray to build because you got to have a, a foundation of prayer. But then last week I preached a message called past inspection. How many of you know once you pray to build, you also got to be approved to build? You got to be approved. Like you can't just, just, just go on just building stuff without approval. Nehemiah not only had the approval of the king, he had the approval of the king of kings because his plans and God's plans were the same plans that Nehemiah had blessing and favor on everything that he was called to build because what he wanted to do was the same thing that God wanted to do. Nehemiah passed the inspection of heart and because his heart was in the right place, God wanted to make sure that the things he wanted were the same things that Nehemiah wanted and they aligned in purpose. So Nehemiah, because he passed an inspection of heart, God approved all that he wanted to build. And once, once his plans were approved, he was able to take those plans to the people of Jerusalem and they pledged to help him. How many of you know people ain't gonna pledge to help you do anything if you don't have a plan? And last week, Many of you came down to the altar and you pledged to help in this heart for the house season because we have a plan. Pastor Joanne and I, we believe that we have heard from the Lord. 2023 is planned out, but we, we, we needed resources and we need resources to see those things come to fruition. So I cast a lot of vision uh, last week and I talked about three main areas that we were gonna need help in fundraising. Now, let me put out a disclaimer. There are many people that raise their hand and said that this is their first time at the church. I don't want you thinking like, man, here I go. I came here this one time and all this church has done is talked about money since I walked in the door. I want you to understand um, I'm preaching about a principle of generosity in this season because I believe this is a season of harvest. I think we've all survived a lot of seasons the last two years, but I don't want to live to survive. I want to live in success. This will be a season of success, but I don't believe that the success will come unless you are open enough to receive the success. Most people, it is hard for them to receive something because they live life with a closed fist instead of an open hand. So we're talking about these principles of generosity and we revealed a plan that says that we are looking in this season the most successful season of life for, for us, and I believe, and I'm declaring it over this house in your life, we're looking for $300,000 in order to do the work that God has called us to do in the next year. And we broke that down into three main sections. The first was our virtual experience. We want to expand the virtual experience for folks that are out there that are watching us online. Once again, people from 47 different countries watch what this church does every single Sunday. There are people that have never stepped in this building, but they give. 
They give because they believe in the mission and the vision. So we talked about it, the fact that it would take $75,000, that was part of the thirty the 300000 to get equipment. Because depending on where I stand on this stage, sometimes you can see me. I can stand in another spot. You can't see me. Sometimes, if you've ever watched online, sometimes you can hear us really well. Sometimes you cannot. Those are technology uh, issues, different lenses, things that we need to upgrade so that we can make sure that we are continuing to reach many other nations. We have reached 47, but I believe God wants us to reach so much more. I don't just believe in a cool house. I don't just believe in a cool church. I believe God has called us to develop a cool world in the church said. But the second part of that, in 2023, Cool Church is already a 501c3 uh, nonprofit, but we want to develop a second 501c3, and it's called Cool Cares. This will be our outreach arm into the community. You saw from that video, we've done a bunch of service projects, but people like to partner with us. Why? Because we have a plan. People will help you. It, it's not every day that the mayor comes on your stage and wants to do things with your church and he has done countless things with us in the city of Miramar and all other kinds of people. Why? Because they say, man, if we can get these folks resources, they know what to do with them. So we want to continue to bless these schools and we want to create cool hubs, stores inside schools that kids that uh, are, are living on the lower side of the income line. There's many different kids that come to school and they literally live in a car with their parents. But they could come into this house and get some shoes to go to school because you know how kids are. They want to bully you for nonsense. Well, you know what? Get a free pair of shoes on Cool Church so that you can walk in confidence and walk in stride and don't have to worry about the stuff you ain't got because the church, we got you. Some of them go home and they ain't got nothing to eat. We'll go to the pantry that we've set up at the school. If we have our way, there's going to be one in every school that we can connect to so that the church will have a place in the school seven days a week instead of just on Sunday. We've already had different people and partners that have heard these ideas and they say, man, if you make that thing happen, then we will partner with you to stock those places. Got to have a 501c3. And the last part, $125,000, the final part of the 300, we were going to upgrade our next generational ministries. We want to create something that's here long after we're gone. If we don't invest in our children, we cannot expect them to continue to carry on the message of Jesus Christ if we don't invest in them now. That's why we shout out cool youth every Sunday. We honor them. We clap for them. We want to encourage them because they may go outside and never get encouragement anywhere else. That's why we stood up here. I love that uh, Cameron and Claude Alex stood up here and they talked about the fact that we need 30 kids workers. Why you need so many people? Because we got so many kids every week. The, the numbers of people that come to this church that are 18 and under that come here in person, it, it equals out to about 120 of them every week. If you break, if you break up kids and you there's about 120 people under the age of 18 that come to this house 120 that is larger than the average church attendance in America most churches have 100 people or less we have 120 people under the age of 18 
We are developing the next generation of believers in this house. And I want to take most of the resources that we give to this place and I want to invest it in them because they matter. They matter. It's that simple. And part of that 125000 is going into investing into special needs children. Joanne and I have both been in the kids' spaces. There's been weeks I haven't preached. Guess where I was? I was over with our kids. There's been weeks she hasn't preached. Guess where she was? Over with our kids. And we have been inspecting to see how can we better serve children of special needs and how can we serve their parents better? We want to invest to have special needs, instru- children of special needs. We want them to have instructors that come in. Not, not so, we're, we're not looking f- to create a babysitting service. Our kids don't need to be babysat. Our kids need to be educated. And we want people that will do it well. But not only will they train our children, they're going to train the parents of special needs children to be able to educate them properly. So many parents, I know, they got their hands tied. They say, I don't know what to do. We want to bring in resources to help you. We care about the next generation. And I know, like, sometimes, once again, I've said this, but once again, this is your first time at church? Hey, you are not obligated to give and even if this is not your first time in church there's no obligation to give but people pledge because we are believing that when we release something from our hand God can do way more with it than we can and a blessing this is not your tithe the tithe is obedience 10% you give to God you give out of obedience but this is over and above it's sacrificial the Bible I read tells me that there's a 30, 60, 100 fold return on sacrificial giving that's what this is. I'm going over and above. So on November 13th, one time, we only do this one time a year, we're asking for the pledges you made on November 13th, we're asking you to bring those to the house. So once again, if this is your first time or it's not your first time and you say, man, I don't even want to be a part of that, that's okay. And if you made a pledge, I am not like, I'm not going to call you 24 times this week. I ain't hunting you down. I ain't stalking you on social media with that pledge at dog. That, I ain't doing that. I'm going to believe if you made the pledge, you're going to honor God and give what you said you was going to give. If you didn't get a chance to, because I know another statistic, most people only come to church one out of every three Sundays. There's a high probability that the people that were in this room last week are here this week. But maybe you didn't get a chance to pledge. When you go out to the lobby, you can pledge. Make sure you fill out all the information. Once again, if you fill out this pledge and you say, I can't make this pledge, no one's going to come after you. It'll just be between you and Jesus. But we also took stones. And what we did, if you want to, out in the lobby, you can write that pledge, leave the pledge on the table, and then take a stone, write the number that you pledge. You can take this very stone with you to remember as a reminder, hey, I'm a living stone and I pledge to do something great in God's house. Amen? So if you didn't get a chance to do it, you can do it out there in the lobby after service. But I know people was looking at me crazy when I said, oh man, we about to raise $300,000. I fully believe we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. That, 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 like, those, those numbers don't bother me. Like You have not because you ask not. But I know some people was looking at me crazy. That's how we gonna do that. <laughs> well, about 20% of the church so far has pledged. 20%. Um, but it's interesting, like, I keep imagining, like, what if everybody did something? Like, what if we were all in? Like, $300,000 is not a lot to reach when you think about it. Like, if 300 people gave $1,000, we'd be done. If 600 people gave $500, we'd be done. 
If a thousand people gave $300, we'd be done. If 1,500 people, that's how many people actually go to the church physically or online, gave $200, we'd be done on a Sunday. It's not that hard. Some of us spent $200 on the meal that we ate with our date last night. Some of us spend that on Uber Eats. If you track that throughout the month, whoo, Lord Jesus. Them delivery fees getting expensive. <laughs> so maybe you made a pledge last week and you've been wondering like, man, I pledged something big, man. Or even if you pledge something small, like it's, it's not about it's not about what you give. Because sacrifice is different for different people. For some people, giving $10 is going to be a stretch. But for some people, giving 10000 is like, I got it. So it is. But I know some folks, as we're thinking about pledging and giving, you wrote down a number, you're like, God, I'm trusting you for this. I'm believing. Like, how am I going to do this? Like, I'm already like having a time trying to meet the needs of my own house, but I want to do something special for you and your kingdom. How, how, how do I, how, how do I do it? How am I going to bring that pledge on November 13th? It's in my heart to do, but God, it's not necessarily in my wallet. How, how do I do that? Huh. It's, it's, it's interesting. There's a, old joke out there and the joke uh, is turned into a book by an author named Bill Hogan and the joke is this how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time one bite at a time to accomplish something great what that author is trying to tell you is that you have to develop a process for it you have to systematically do the little things if you want to win in big ways. This, I keep saying it's going to be a season of success, but if you don't plan for success, you won't be successful. You got to do the little things leading up to November 13th to win in big ways. Because I fully believe that I'm living in a season of heart. I don't know about y'all. I'm done with surviving. All, the only prerequisite for survival is breathing. I am. I'm done doing that. I'm winning now. I'm, 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 I'm living the gospel of the famous American prophet, DJ Khaled. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Whatever I touch. You see, some of y'all don't win because you ain't, you ain't even that confident about what God wants to do through you. Whatever I touch. I'm a win. I'm a winner. You're a winner too. You wouldn't even be here if you weren't a winner. Hundreds of millions of sperm raced to get to that egg and you won. You were born a winner. But some of y'all walking around with your head down like you never won anything. You won the race of life, baby. So when I walk around, I mean, I win. 
All I do is win. That's why I'm wearing a yellow jacket. I'm bright. I'm shining because I'm winning. I'm winning. I got all the confidence in the world that God is on my side. So I don't, I don't shriek that. Hey, church, you think we can raise 300,000? We will do it in the name of Jesus. I'm not even worried about it. I'm not worried about that. And I love Nehemiah so much because what this book shows us is that there are processes and practices that you can put in today to prepare for the thing that you're trying to build. You want to build something, you have to put some processes and practices in place to be able to prepare your pledge. Because you can't bring it if you have not prepared it. Nehemiah 3, I, I love this, the, the wall is finally starting to be built. And I love this because it's built by so many different people. Isn't that a picture of us? Me and Joanne can't build this by ourselves. We gotta build it with all these beautiful, all, all of you beautiful people. We are all family, we work together to build something. Whatever we gonna do, we gonna do it together. And I love this because with all the different people building, they're all focusing on what? Small sections of the wall. How are they attacking the elephant called the wall of Jerusalem? They're all working on a small piece of it at one time. Not only that, they're all, because of Nehemiah, they've learned to all build their sections the same way. So not only are they working through the process of building this wall by doing small sections at a time, they all systematically build their sections the exact same way. I love this because the people developed a rhythm to building that I want you to notice today in Nehemiah chapter three. Because the reality is you need rhythm to build. You need it. If you want to develop a rhythm to build, there's two points and the first one is this. If you want to develop a rhythm to build like Nehemiah did, the first thing you must do is repair the gates. Oh man, when you find out what this means, repair the gates. I love this. Now let's get to some Bible. You see, they started, when they started the work, they started with the gates, look at the process, and they work outwards until they met one another. There were 10 different gates. They started at the gates and they worked outwards until their part of the wall connected. So now I'm gonna jump through 10 different verses, starting at Nehemiah 3.1. I'll call them out because I want you to notice something. Eliashib, the high priest, Nehemiah 3.1, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. Somebody say the sheep gate. Nehemiah 3.3, the fish gate. Somebody say the fish gate. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hasena. Nehemiah 3.6, Jeshana, the Jeshana gate. Somebody say Jeshana gate was repaired by Joida, son of Pesha, and Meshulam, son of Basodea. I could read, y'all. <laughs> Nehemiah 3.13, the valley gate. Somebody say the valley gate. The valley gate was prepared, repaired by Hanum, the resident of Zenoah in the residence of Zenoah. Nehemiah 3.14, the dung gate, somebody say the dung gate, was repaired by Malkijah, son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Hakarem. Nehemiah 
3.15, the fountain gate, somebody say the fountain gate, was repaired by Shalel, son of Kolhazin, ruler of the district of Mizpah. Nehemiah 3.26, and the temple servants living on the hill of Opel made uh, repairs up to a joint opposite the Watergate. Somebody say Watergate. Watergate. Not Nixon. Watergate. Towards the east and the projecting tower. Nehemiah 3.28, above the horse gate. Somebody say horse gate. The priest made repairs, each in front of his own house. Nehemiah 3, 29b, the second part, it says, Next to him, Shemaiah, son of Shechaniah, the guard of the east gate, made repairs. Nehemiah 3:31. Next to him, Malkijah, one of the goldsmiths made repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and the merchants opposite the inspection gate. Somebody say inspection gate. And as far as the room above the corner. The first thing I want you to notice about all these verses that I just read are all the people that are involved. I really wanted to make sure you heard me call out every name in every verse because every one of those names matters. What am I trying to tell you? It doesn't matter how big of a section that you build, you are remembered because you helped. I want to speak to the person that feels like, man, what I got to give is significant. Let me tell you the people that God remembers. God remembers the people that said, though I had little, I know it means much in the kingdom. God remembers the people that give all they have when they have it because they give with a generous heart. It does not matter how much you give. What matters is that you have a heart to give. You have a heart to build. And for all of history, we're going to remember the names of these people. Why? Because they all gave the same amount? No, they all did different work, but they are remembered because they did something. The worst thing you can do is do nothing. You're never remembered when you do nothing. The people that we read about in this word, Nehemiah is careful to write down all these names because he is literally taking an inventory of all the people that contributed to do something. They're not remembered because of what they did. They're remembered because they did something. God cares about who is building his house, no matter the size of the contribution. That's why we say, you give your time, you can give your talent, you can give your treasure. Some of you think because you ain't got no money, you can't give. Who's remembered? The people that did something. You say, man, I ain't, got, I ain't got a bunch of money to give, but I could give my time to help because uh, I know they're looking for 30 people to go in the kids. God sees that. He honors that. People remember the people that do something. Now, not only do I want you to notice the names, I want you to notice the gates. 
Uh, the gates are important, and all the gates have different names. The first gate that I want you to see is the sheep gate. And I promise I'm gonna get to the fun, like I'm gonna I'm preach and it's gonna get, but I, let me just teach you some stuff real quick. Because Jerusalem was a city on a hill, uh, it was a fortified city by its walls. One, its height gave it a level of protection, uh, and there was, there was a valley below it, but then around the city was this gate that Nehemiah was trying to build, and this gate had many, excuse me, this, this wall had many different gates. This wall had many different gates that you could come through. The first was the sheep's gate. Everybody say the sheep gate. The sheep gate is where the shepherds would literally, when they came in from the valley, when they came in from the pasture, they would come in through the sheep's gate and they would bring their sheep so that they could take their sheep to the market to be sold. This was the gate that the sheep and the shepherds, the shepherds would guide the sheep and lead them through this gate and the shepherds were able to take them to a place of commerce. It was the place where sheep were bought and sold, hence the name, the sheep gate. The next gate was the fish gate. Now the fish gate is interesting because the fish gate, if, if the sheep gate represented a place of commerce, it will pale in comparison to the fish gate because most of the commerce happened around the fish gate. Stuff would happen, um, um, stuff, people would bring, would bring stuff from the sea and they would bring it to the fish gate and there was a massive fish market there and there was a, a lot of other things being sold but the fish gate was, 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 was once again, it was the main place of commerce for the people of Jerusalem. Next was the Jeshana gate. Jeshana is a Hebrew word, you know what it means? Old. It was the old gate, is another way you could say that. The old gate. The interesting thing about the old gate is the old gate led you to a place called the Mishneh. Mishneh in Hebrew means the new quarter, so it's funny that the old gate led you to the new place. The new quarter. I, I, listen, here, here's what I understand, and this is why I say that this house is, is a house not just for some of us, it's for all of us. It's not just for the young people, it's for the seasoned saints too. And this is why I honor my seasoned saints so much. Don't despise things that are old. Do not despise things that are seasoned, because if you listen to them, they can actually show you new things. The old gate is the thing that takes you to the new place. Then there was the valley gate. This was the gate that you would go out of. This was actually the gate that Nehemiah started his inspection, went around the city and came back through that gate. Why? Why is the valley gate important? Because it leads you to the valley. And what does the valley symbolize? I love that Matthew even talked about it when he was worshiping earlier. The valley is the low place. The valley is the low place, and I don't want you to see it as a place of despair, even though we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Don't get mad at the valley of the shadow of death, because the thing about low places is they force you to get low. You know what they force you to do? Humble yourself. Humble yourself. This was a gate of humility. But then, there's the dung gate. Y'all know what that is. That's the waste gate. This was where the waste of, of the city, the waste of the temple, the waste and ash will exit that gate. Another way you could think about it, this was a gate of cleansing. How many of you know you need some things to be cleansed in your life? You need some things to exit your life immediately. 
This was the dung gate. It was a place of cleansing. But then there's the fountain gate. This, this gate would have been near or around the pool of Siloam. The pool of Siloam was fed by another lively water source called the Gihon Spring. Um, so the Gihon Spring would feed the pool and people would come to the pool and wash and do different things like that. So that was the fountain gate. But then there's the water gate. And the water gate actually gave you direct access and led from the old city of David to the Gihon Spring that fed the fountain gate. So the, 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 the fountain gate was being fed by the Gihon Spring. And if you want direct access to that spring, that you would have to go to the water gate to get direct access. But then there's the horse gate. The horse gate was near the temple. And during the time of King Solomon, Solomon would import horses from Egypt um, to the city and he would bring them through the horse gate as he was preparing and getting ready for war this is where he would get his horses but the other thing about the horse gate is this near the temple so it was also a place of sacrifice this is where sacrificial offerings would be made around the horse gate i'm just giving you this this a little bit of this stuff here because i want you to understand the context of what we're talking about you got to be able to understand why they had certain sayings and meanings for certain things if you want to understand the bible in its full context and the church said but then there was the east gate this was the gate that was literally the closest to the temple you would enter through to the temple from the east gate this is the same gate that on palm sunday that we read about when they say hosanna hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord and they laid down palms and jesus riding on a donkey he entered jerusalem through the east gate many theologians believe the east gate is symbolic for the second coming of jesus christ because they believe he's going to enter from the east i believe that one day listen i know we talk about all kinds of stuff and as it pertains to the bible and we try to make it as cool as possible but here's something old school that your pastor believes that one day jesus is going to crack the the eastern sky the trumpet will blow listen you better get your life in order because jesus is coming back if you believe it say amen i'm not just here to preach to preach to you some things that's going to help your life i'm trying to prepare you for the coming of the king that trumpet will blow and the sky will crack and we will see the son of man come again But then there was the inspection gate. The mikfad gate is what it is in Hebrew, but that term means inspection. Why is it inspection? It was the place that the troops before battle, they would come in, they would be inspected, and they would be, they would be counted. This was the gate that they would prepare for war. I, lo I love that so much because if you think that this battle is only a physical one, you are missing it. We are in a spiritual battle every day and believers need to be prepared for war at every turn because the enemy is trying to do everything to defeat you. Why? Because he is desperate. There are desperate attempts of an enemy because there are people that should be walking around in victory knowing that Christ has already won, but instead so many of us walk with our heads down when we can actually say we've been inspected, we've been tried, we are true, Jesus has already won the battle, therefore 
therefore we have already won the war. Do not walk around like a defeated enemy when you are a victorious soldier in Christ. Inspection gate. Why did Nehemiah take the time now that I went through all 10 gates to talk about the gates first? I need you to identify the gates in your life because gates are the easiest point of attack. I took all that time to let you know there's so many different places the enemy can go in and out of. If gates are the easiest point of attack, ask yourself, what are the places in your life that resources come and go? Those would be the places the enemy tries to attack you. Just just take an honest inventory of your own life. Like, where are you allowing the enemy to easily attack you? What gates have you left open for him? What gates do you need to rebuild in your life? He wants to attack all of your treasure, your time, your talent, and your treasure, but he knows it comes in and out of your life through the gates that you have left open for him. See, some of us want to like save up for our pledge and do different things like that, and we want to give more. Some of you, forget the pledge, just say, man, I just want to give more to God. But you never have enough to give to God. You know why? Because you have left the fashion gate open. Your retail therapy is taking all your resources. See, now I want to make it practical because it's very spiritual, but I want to make it practical for you because some of you say, I don't know how I'm going to save for this pledge, but you can't stop shopping. It's not that you don't have it. It's just that you let it out the gate. (laughs) Some of y'all, y'all probably ain't the fashion gate. It's the coffee gate. Seven dollar coffee every day. Every day. Seven times seven. What's that? Forty nine. Fifty a week. Not fifty. Fifty a week. On coffee. As I can't bring my plate. Fifty a week. On coffee. $50 a week for six weeks, which is what heart for the house season goes. What is that? Three hundred? You more faithfully give to Starbucks every day than you are to bring your tithe out of obedience to God. Starbucks, make sure they get your money. Coffee gate. (laughs) Pumpkin spice latte gate. Now, that's not some of y'all problems. Some some of your issues, I might need help with this one. It's the Amazon gate. Just letting, you just letting it go. You know why? Cause, cause you like getting that dopamine hitting your brain when that package show up. For, oh, for me, I had no idea. You knew, cause you pressed the button to buy it. Amazon gate packages falling like manna from heaven to your doorstep daily. I ain't got nothing. Amazon got it. Don't come for me talking about the sneaker gate. Don't come for me. 
Don't come for me unless I sin for you. Sneaker game. I can't stand y'all. In Jesus' name. I love you. Y'all think it's just like money, though. It's not. Some of you got a hard time closing that gossip gate. You could tell me what's going on with everybody but you. Enemy want to use you because you can't keep your mouth closed. You don't need to close the gate. You need to close your mouth. Pastor, why you being mean, man? Keep talking. You was nicer when you was talking about the money, man. What about the lust gate? You make it rain at the club, but make it drizzle in God's house. Because the money going out the gate. This will get me on shade room for sure. I'm just because everybody got different gates, man. I'm trying to get all the gates I can get. What about the gambling gate? I know this going to be my ticket. These numbers going to be the number. I mean, you have wasted thousands and won nothing. You're a seminal hard rock. I mean, you literally have money to waste. But then when, when I say something about a pledge, you look at me sideways. I'm like, you're you throwing it away. I'm like, hey, if you're looking for a place to throw away money, at least I know we'll use it properly. <laughs> Some of us stuck at the liquor gate. Like, if you have to have a drink, you might want to close that gate. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm just saying, I, I want you to be conscious of the spaces where the enemy is trying to attack you. He is looking for weak points. He is looking for places you have left the door just cracked a little bit. Like you ain't even gotta open it. You just, like some of, some of you have closed the gate but you left it unlocked. And, and, it, and it's like, ah, devil keep coming for me here because you keep letting them in. You keep giving them an access point. If you have a gate in your life where more goes out than comes in, you might want to close that gate. Close the gate. See, as you're building something, you have to start building gates that don't take away but add value to what you're building. Add value. Because if the enemy can attack your gates, then if the enemy attacks the gates that, that you have left open or you've left unlocked, why don't you build gates for God to bless you? Why don't you create, act like, you, it's funny, like some of us got more access points for the enemy than we do for God. And wonder why we can't catch a blessing. It's like you got that greed gate like this. God ain't coming in that greed gate. He's coming in that generosity gate. You see, where are you allowing God if the enemy is coming in your house and stealing from you, where are you allowing God to enter in to restore you? See, if, if it's up to me in my life, I have created gates, points of entry where I let God in on a regular basis. 
For some of y'all, it's time to build a praise and worship gate. Some, for some of us, like the only time we praise and worship is here. That's a problem. Like you need to be getting that on the regular. Why? Because praise and worship allows you to give reverence and honor to God at all times. That's why I don't have a problem giving because I honor him at all times and I know none of it's mine anyway. Why? Because I have a healthy appetite of praise and worship. I constantly let God into my space so that I can admire him, so that I can worship him, so I can tell him how much I adore him. Maybe for some of you it's time to build a Bible gate. For some people the only time they open this is when they get here. I, I started challenging my daughter. I was like, baby girl, I know you like to read, but I'm going to give you a new challenge. Every, every morning when you wake up, if it's just one verse, one verse, I need you to read. You know, this is why I love my child, man, because I know she takes the things that, that mom and dad say to heart. I gave her that challenge. You know what she started doing? She started reading the verse, and she did something I didn't tell her to do. She started coming back to me every day after we say our daily affirmations. She came back. She's like, all right, Dad, I got the verse of the day. I'm like, what you talking about? She started memorizing the doggone verse that she was reading every day and reciting it back to me without me asking. What is a 12-year-old doing? She has opened the Bible gate in her life. Because she's opened the Bible gate, now on the way to school, dad and child can have a discussion about what those verses mean that she has hidden in her heart so that she might not sin against God. I'm not saying it to brag on my baby, but I am, I am saying, man, it, it is something. It is something to opening up yourself to this word that can change you. And if a child can get it, so can we. Open up that Bible gate. And what is it going to give you? Wisdom. God's going to flood that thing with wisdom. Man, if you read a proverb a, a day, you know how much smarter you'd be by the end of the month? Man, it's time to maybe build a church gate. Like I said, the average church attender comes one out of every three Sundays. What if you was like, you know what? For the rest of 2022, I'm going to show up every Sunday and see what God does. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you know what? I'm going to actually go out to the courtyard like Pastor T talked about, and I'm going to actually try to meet a friend. Because I'm going to be consistent in showing up physically or online. I'm going to be consistent in being in God's house. What happens when you open up the church gate? You know what you get? Encouragement. God floods it with encouragement. Man, I walk around here. I see my brothers and they're like, T, look at that. I feel good when I'm here because I'm around family. I get encouraged. That's what it says, never forsake the gathering of the saints. Why? Because there's encouragement in the body. Maybe you need to open up the church gate. Some of you need to build a service gate. Like, get involved. Do some, like, you should not just want to see church. You should want to be church. We are living stones. The Bible didn't call us stones. It called us living stones. It means that we're active. We're engaged. We're a part of the body. There's so, like, I know sometimes y'all think, man, I come here and everything's done. It's not. And even if it's done, guess what? It could get better if you get involved. What does the service gate do? If you open it up, what's going to eventually happen in your life is going to build more humility in you because that's what service does. My job here is not to lord over you. As a senior pastor, my job is to serve you. This just, nothing teaches humility to me more in my life than serving you. 
because I have the service gate open. But maybe it's time to actually build that tithing offering gate. Because some of us have had that closed for a very long time. What is the tithe gate building you? What does it give you? It gives you more obedience. Unless you know, man, this stuff is not mine. I need to give this all to God because it's all his. And I need to watch him keep his promises because he cannot lie. I mean, he says 10% out of 100. And some of us, like, we, we like start twitching when we think about giving away 10% of our income to God. But you don't flinch when your FP&L bill go up. At, like, oh, You don't flinch about that car payment. You don't flinch. It's tithe, ah! Put that on the back burner. Gotta get the leftovers. No, it says the first tenth. Open up that gate to obedience. Some of us need to build a gratitude gate. Just be, just be thankful for stuff. You know what gratitude does? Gratitude changes your attitude. And if you got a better attitude, it will change your altitude. You will get farther in life with a better attitude. How do you get a better attitude? Just be thankful for everything. That gratitude will change you. For some of us, we got to build a gratitude gate because those are the places that I have built in my life and I allow them to stay wide open because God always provides more than I need. Jesus wants us to live the abundant life. What is abundance? More than you need to do what you are called to do. You have to create a space for Jesus to fill and I promise you, he will fill it. Make sure that you're taking an honest inventory of your life and start to build gates for God to bless that the enemy can't attack you must repair your gates. But finally, after you repair your gates, put the doors, bolts, and bars in place. Can't just build a gate. You got to put the doors, bolts, and bars in place. You see the rhythm to that? The doors, bolts, bars, place. Nehemiah 3.3. 3. The fish gate was rebuilt. I want you to catch this. I'm going to read a few verses again. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put its doors, bolts, and bars in place. Nehemiah 3.6. The Jeshana gate was repaired by Joiada, son of Pashe and Meshulium, son of Besodia. They laid its beams and put its doors, bolts, bars in place. Nehemiah 3.13, the valley gate was repaired by Hanan and the residents of Zenoah. They rebuilt it and put its doors, bolts, bars in place. Nehemiah 3.14, the dung gate was repaired by Malkijah, son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth, Hak, excuse me, Hakarim. He built it and put its doors, bolts, bars in place. Nehemiah 3.15, the fountain gate was repaired by Shulan, son of Kolhosen, ruler of the district of Mizpah. He rebuilt it, roofing it over and putting its doors, bolts, and bars in place. I love these passages because I hope you caught it. They are very repetitive. 
Doors, bolts, bars, place. Doors, bolts, bars, place. Doors, bolts, bars, and place. When you repeat something, you know what you do? You develop a rhythm. <laughs> Y'all forgot the title of the message already? You develop a rhythm. A rhythm. Doors, bowls, bars, place. Door. And what's a rhythm? A system. It's a pathway. It's a process. A rhythm is a system. Your repetition is your reputation. A rhythm is a system. And Nehemiah shows us when you're trying to build something, you must develop a defense system. He didn't just create a gate. He says, you got to put the doors, the bolts, and the bars in place. You must create a defense system to guard the doors, to guard the gates that you are building. I, I love this because I have to ask you a question. Now that you know that he started by repairing the gates and then he developed a rhythm to protect the gates, what rhythms have you created to protect what you are building? Be honest with yourself about it. Do you have good rhythms to protect what you built? I know people in this room that have businesses, that have families, you've built something great but you don't have a rhythm to protect it. What rhythms have you created to protect the things that you care about? If you want to protect and build your pledge for heart for the house, create a rhythm of restraint in this season. Less unnecessary spending. I want to do the pledge, but you don't have a rhythm of restraint. Like you need to look yourself in the mirror and say, no. You don't have to have it. You don't have to have, like, you don't have to have Starbucks coffee. You can go and get Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Even better yet, you can go to Winn-Dixie or Publix and buy the coffee and just make it yourself. You go from spending $7 to coffee to spending $1.50 on coffee. How much do you have left? Some of you need to develop a rhythm of restraint if you want to build this pledge in this season. If you want to build and protect your marriage, you need to create a rhythm of communication, date nights, and sex. Y'all way too saved today. I talk. I take it out. And then I get replenished after I take out. I get to worship after that date. Yeah, married folk. Don't be doing it, yeah. <laughs> Alex in the back, yeah, that's me. It's all about me. <laughs> People married, I ain't had sex in six months. I feel sorry for you. Six days, my eyes are twitching like, what? <laughs> Girls, open up shop, girl, girl. 
a rhythm. Communication, date night, there's a million things you can do. But I do that to build and protect my marriage. If you want to protect and build your physical health, a rhythm of exercise and nutrition. I, man, I'm not just up here talking about I'm trying to live it out. I promise you, and there's guys in here that are holding me accountable to it. I've been working out for the last 10 weeks. I can't remember the last time I worked out for 10 weeks in my life. Drop 15 pounds, build some muscle. Why? Because I changed the way I work out and I changed the way I eat. Because I don't want to be up here talking about something to you that I'm actually not doing myself. Developed a rhythm in my life for it, though. If you want to build and protect your mental and emotional health, create a rhythm of rest. Some of you, man, it's like, I'm burnt out. I'm you get burnt out, and the first thing you do is stop serving God. I can't serve in the church because I, ne I need to stop here. When there's a million other things you can stop, but you just choose to put God's work first. There's a million other things you can stop because this ain't stressing you out. It's the stuff you're doing outside of here that's stressing you out, but you're choosing to stop the thing that's replenishing you. I need a mental break. No. I need a mental break from serving. I need a mental break from all the nonsense going on out in the world out there. This is the thing that fills me up. When I come in here, man, I get full. You want to build and protect your purity? Create a rhythm of accountability. Get in a stinking connect group today. Get some people around you that will call you out. Give, give at least one human that you trust some passwords to stuff so that when you out there looking at stuff, you ain't supposed to be looking at it like, uh, bro, what you looking at, man? This ain't what we about here. Create a rhythm of accountability. Create a rhythm of people that'll be honest with you. He cute, girl. Don't sleep with him. Don't do it. You need that friend. Girl, I know he cute. I know it's all the same. Just say no. Nancy Reagan was right. Just say no. You need accountability. If you want to build your purity, you want to protect and build your faith, create a rhythm of prayer. Bible says pray without ceasing. Some of you say, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray to the Lord my soul to keep. And you want that to last you all day. I'm praying at all times, man. I'm praying so I won't call somebody what my wife said earlier on the road. I'm praying so when my child say crazy stuff to me, I can stay saved and not kill thine own child. God, I will sacrifice her to you. Praying at all times that when we disagree, I'm like, Lord, please help me say this the right way because my mouth got me in trouble because I said it the wrong way. Help me humble myself. I'm praying. I'm praying at all times to protect and build my faith, man. I don't want to be out of character. I want you to know me as a person of faith at all times. I got I to pray to stay saved.
If you want to build and protect your spirit, create a, a rhythm of consistency in God's house. You need, you like, I know I keep saying that, you like, you said that in the last point, because I, I can't, I can't stress how important it is that we gather together. This is the thing that Jesus died for, you know. Like he died so the church will be built because he knew that the church will be the thing that would sustain his body long after he was physically going off of this earth. So we fight for this. And I told you last week, we are not sacrificing our lives for a service. We're sacrificing our lives for the church. Not cool church, small C, the church of Jesus Christ, capital C. Because it matters. People say, my life messed up, I need answers. Go to church. I don't know which way is up. Go to church, he left me. Go to church, she left me. Go to church, I ain't got enough money. Go to church, because the answers are in the house, it's in the body of believers. You never know who you might be sitting next to or can connect to that's gonna help you in this season of life. Develop a rhythm of being engaged in the house. Because if you want to build something significant, you got to develop a proper rhythm to protect it. Because the people that developed a system around building the gates because Nehemiah had a system, they built the entire wall of Jerusalem in 52 days, y'all. It's a month and a half over a massive city, miles long. 52 days because they had a rhythm to what they were building and Nehemiah chapter 3 I want you to catch this even in the way it's written it has a rhythm because it's beautiful because it describes a wall being built by navigating from gate to gate but the way that it starts is the exact same way that it ends because it comes back full circle by the end of the chapter Go read Nehemiah chapter 3. Look at the first verse. I'm going to read the last verse to you. Matter of fact, let me read the first again. Eliashib, a high priest and his fellow priests, went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. Stop. Last verse, Nehemiah 3.32. And between the room above the corner and the what? And the what? The goldsmiths and merchants made repairs. The first verse talks about the sheep gate and the last verse talks about the sheep gate. It's the only verse in the, it's the only gate in the entire chapter that's mentioned twice. The, the sheep gate starts it and the sheep gate ends it. You've probably been listening to this message the whole time and you've probably been thinking, when is he going to get to Jesus? You see, I think a lot of us have read our Bible wrong. We're trying to read the Bible as a historical document and you're wondering why pieces of history are missing. It's not meant to be that. It's not meant to be that. It has historical accuracy. There are many things that have happened in here that you can find in other texts, history books that are specifically written for that, that will corroborate the stories that are written in here. But the Bible is not just a mere history book. If God wanted it to just be a history book, there would be no questions that we ever have about history. We would know what happened to the dinosaurs. We would know all these things that we have questions about if God designed this to be a history book, but it's not that. It's not just history. There's poetry. 
there's allegory. There's metaphor. There's all kinds of things in here. What are all of these things working to do? You have to see the Bible for the book that it actually is. It's not a history book. It's like looking at a dictionary and expecting to find a love story. The dictionary is meant to teach you definitions. It's like looking at a, at, at, at a newspaper and expecting it to be a thesaurus. When I look at the newspaper, I'm here to see current events. Not looking for words to see other words that mean the same thing or mean the opposite. So when you look at the Bible like a history book, like a lot of people like to do and say it's not historically accurate, you're actually looking at it wrong. Because this word has one purpose. It's a beautiful story. And there's one main character. And his name is Jesus. He's in every chapter. He's in every word. He's in every verse. The character of him who gave his life for us is written all through this book. And I know you say, man, you ain't say Jesus' name one time when you read one of those verses. You read all those names, but you never said the name of Jesus because it wasn't there. Yes, it was. The beautiful thing about this chapter is it was in the beginning and it was in the end. Isn't that just like Jesus? The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end? Nah, 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 child. I ain't see, I ain't hearing. I don't know what you're talking about. The sheep gate was in the beginning. And the sheep gate was in the end. I told you in the beginning was the sheep gate. And at the end was the sheep gate. Why is that important? Because if you're looking for Jesus in this word, if you're reading it with the intention to see him and find him, he will show up every single time, whether his name is mentioned or not. That's why I can read to you today, John chapter 10, verses 7 and 9 that correspond with the sheep gate that says, therefore Jesus said it again. Just in case you was thinking, oh, he making up that Jesus is the sheep gate. Don't take my word for it. Take Jesus' words for He says, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. It's me. I'm the gate for the sheep. And all that have come before me, they're thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. Don't listen to the wrong people. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us. He says, because I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. I love it because the sheep gate has a purpose. In Nehemiah, the sheep entered the gate to be sold. But with Jesus, you entered the gate to be saved. I wish somebody was catching what I was throwing out. It says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in, they will go out, and they will find pasture. I love this because it corresponds to other verses that I've read that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man enters through the Father except through him. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but you've been looking for a lot of things to let you in. You've been looking for a lot of ways to enter, but all the ways that you have ever tried will never compare to the 
is Sheep Gate, and his name is Jesus. And not only is he the gate, he can lead you there because he is the shepherd that leads the sheep to the gate. If you believe it, say amen. My God is the gate and the shepherd. And all he wants to do is lead you to pastures of freedom. He's a gate that swings both ways because he wants you to live in freedom. Whom the sun sets is free indeed. It's not a gate that, it's a one-way gate and you walk through and you're enslaved. No, it's freedom. And some of you have not been walking in freedom because you entered through the wrong gate. There's only one way. Buddha can't take you there. The prophet Muhammad can't take you there. Jesus literally said, I am the sheep gate. You, you must enter through me. Why can he say he's the only way? Because he's also the only one that was willing to sacrifice for you. I don't know who I'm talking to, but you need to know that this Jesus that I speak of, that book that pronounces his name from start to end, it tells a story of sacrifice. Because in sacrifice, we see true love. But Jesus loved you so much, he was willing to give up his life once and for all, take all your sin, all your shame, all your guilt, all your pain, and destroy it on a cross once and for all so the sins of your past, present, and future are forgiven. All you got to do is walk through the gate. Say, how do I walk through the gate? The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart he was raised from the dead, I'm saved. You're a new creation. You have walked through the gate the sheep's gate that gives you access to the pearly gates of heaven where we will celebrate, we will worship, and we will be a family once and for all. With every head bowed, every eye closed, today, you say, I'm, I'm ready to walk through the gate, Pastor. I know there's only one way. I know I've relied on other stuff before and I've walked through a few different gates, but none of them was the gate you talked about. I want to walk through that gate called Jesus because I know he's the only thing that can save me. Maybe you've never said that, or maybe you have and you've been running. It's time to walk back through the gate called Jesus. If you want Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, his gates are wide open, ready to accept you. Listen, don't be the sheep that runs from the open gate run through it run through it don't be scared on the count of three nobody else can make this decision for you don't worry about what other people are doing because he is the gate they're not the gate he is if you care about their opinions then you're saying that they're the gate they are not the gate he is the gate on the count of three you want Jesus in your life Maybe you never said it, or maybe you haven't. It's, you're like, man, I, I haven't been living it. It's time for me to come home. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Hold it up. High enough and long enough for me to see it. Don't be scared. Hold it up. 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 Good. I see you and 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 you. If your hand's up, stand up. Stand up. Don't be scared. 
Just stand up for me. Hands up, stand up. Hands up, stand up. Your hands up, stand up. Stay standing. Your hands up, stand up. Yeah, I see you. You did the hard part already. Walk, come down to the altar. Walk through the gate. Let me pray with you. Come, come. Walk through the gate. Walk through the gate. Come on. Walk through the gate. No more games. Walk through the gate. Everybody standing. Walk through the gate. Thank you so much for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends and family to be a blessing to their lives as well. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.